Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, today it's really a big pleasure because I have Diana Majors together with me. Hi, Diana. How are you? Hello, I'm great. Welcome to everyone joining as well. Thank you very much, Diane, for your time and for joining the CX Goalkeeper podcast. I am super thrilled because we are going to discuss about leadership and you have really a big, big experience in, in this field. But before we kick off the discussion, as usual, a short introduction from, from your side. Could you please introduce yourself? Of course. Uh, my name is Diane Majors, uh, CCXP. I have been in this space uh, for over almost 30 years now. Um, I started as a clinical psychologist. And um, when I took a break from that, I found uh, this profession, my CEO, who just said, we're going to do everything from the, from the customer's perspective. So I was tasked with building that. I've also worked at uh, Cisco Foods uh, in their customer engagement practice, as well as AT&T's uh, business solutions office of the customer and former CEO for the Customer Experience Professionals Association. Nice to meet all of you. Thank you very much. I'm really impressed by your CV and what you shared. I am also C6P. I am really super happy to be part of this outstanding community from the Customer Experience Professional Associations and also from my side. Thank you very much for what you did for the, C, for the CXPA. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, as usual, I would like to understand a bit more about you because CVs are often uh, impressive how they are sold, but we want also to, to learn a bit more about you and therefore which values drive you in life. Uh, I, I, when I thought about this question um, before when we ask it, so prepping it, I believe that people would probably say if they were describing, describing my values, um, uh, down to earth and real is probably one of the biggest values that I um, hold dear. Um, I believe that in our profession, particularly, that you have to really get into the trenches and get your hands dirty. And so for me, it's part of how we support each other in our community to do that. Um, I say grace, uh, humor, and fun. Um, you know, we have a, a lot of trying times uh, before and, and coming up in the future. And I believe that we can only do that through laughter. And so anybody who knows me knows that um, there's, there's, a, there's a serious side to me, but there's also a silly side, which I believe keeps um, humor um, and part of that heart in what we do. Um, and then I think the uh, anybody else would describe me too as uh, generosity. So I feel that in in, in this profession, particularly, um, the ability for people to share what they're doing, um, to support each other, to help build that community, um, is really what I, I'm all about. Thank you very much. And I can remember your generosity because I was part of a panel discussion you were chairing and you shared all the questions in advance and you shared also a lot of details to prepare for this panel and therefore really, really generous and prepared to the perfection. I was super thankful and I was feeling very well because everything was prepared and, and the panel discussion went really very well. 
Um, well, we have to we have to live our life the way that we uh, espouse that our organizations live their life. So making sure that people have a great experience, whether you're meeting them for lunch, running a webinar or trying to build this in a practice is just part of what uh, we need to hone our skills for. So thank you for that. Thank you. And I think in, in English, we say walk the talk. And that's exactly what we, we are going to discuss. Yeah. Yes. Now we know a bit better, a bit more about today's uh, top player, Diane Majors. And now we are going to deep dive. Let's the game start in leadership. Um, how do you see the evolution of the role of a leader of leadership in the last few years? Um, let's clarify when we say leadership um, within a brand, um, because I think the definition of that uh, will, will divide our answer just a little bit. So here's the way that I think about it. Leadership, uh, when we think about um, the executives and the decision makers in an organization is one audience. But I believe change leadership especially can come from anywhere in the organization. Um, so let me talk about those two things separately. Um, leadership, I believe, has um, evolved um, quite rapidly um, because of the pressures of the economic and technology and all the things that we know are happening today. And their ability to guide an organization requires a different skill set from them, um, emotional intelligence, uh, the ability to connect with people and engage them and empower them. Um, the ability to create new capabilities in the organization, um, like design and data, um, all those things that we know happen. So leaders have had, the executive leaders have really had to build their own abilities and competencies as it relates to these tactics and information, uh, but also their, their own skill set. Experience management is one of those things they've had to learn, um, and they and they want to understand it and the skills that are necessary in order for them to bring that to their brand. The change in leadership, I feel, for the rest of the organization, uh, change leadership that happens everywhere, is all about the empowerment and the drive and the more important um, global opportunities that we have. So, for example. My 22-year-old tells me that she prefers brands um, that represent her values and what she cares about, sustainability, um, responsiveness, all those pieces. So one of the things that we need to think about is enabling leaders within the organization to identify them, to grow them, to understand the value, to understand how they are creating and want to create disruption that we can leverage and help them sustain uh, to grow an organization. So those are, those are my takeaways really from what we see shifting from both types of leaders. Thank you, Diane. And um, you shared one 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 example uh, with uh, with your child, 22 years old. And I think one of the main challenges that also leaders are facing is the new generation coming and uh, and in in the work environment and working and delivering projects, working in the different teams. Uh, what what challenges do leaders face in uh, driving successful organizational change? I think it's the habits. Of the organization, really, if you think about it, there's there's a book called The Power of Habit. Some of you may have, have read it. It was it was very insightful for me 
because it, we all, even in our personal lives, when we try to change something, we have to change the daily things we do every day. And we have to see the bigger picture and have a goal of what we want to create um, to get there. And I believe that that's part of the challenges that leaders have is that they really don't have, uh, haven't defined the new habits or rituals they want the, the organization to have. They haven't spent time understanding those things that are um, <laughs> a little fuzzier to them, like what does the new generation look for? How am I leveraging the, the current people I have in place in order to understand that better? Um, how do I get more information about what's happening in the research and all the things that are out there, those future state trends? Um, so I, I believe that's part of what we see happening with organizations is um, they just need to define what needs to change in the organization and hold the organization accountable uh, to drive those changes. But that accountability has to come with the, the everybody in the organization contributing feeling valued, feeling understood, and having a, a hand in how that change needs to occur. I think I've seen organizations go through that change where when they've involved the organization, it has shifted dramatically. Ericsson, great example. They, they wanted to do a culture shift from the way that they had worked for hundreds of years um, to something new, and it took um, people standing up and really leading from where they were. Um, and I think that's a great example of how organizations need to shift the way they think about change. Thank you very much. You, you mentioned at the beginning from your answer, habits, and you are also uh, a thought leader. A lot of people are following you. Perhaps could you share with us which habits did you change in the last few years, few months to uh, adapt to, the, to, to this evolution that you shared? And I, I know I'm going off script and therefore it's not All prepared right. the answer. <laughs> Okay, it's okay. Uh, so you're asking what habits have I changed within my profession, how I talk about this profession? Um, experience management. So one of the, the changes that I've, I've begun to um, move toward is rather than saying just customer or employee experience, I talk more about this engagement ecosystem. And what that represents is the fact that experience management is a discipline. And it has, it has grown, it has frameworks, it has ways of working, it has um, proven ways that organizations can move forward. So I have drifted a little bit away from just talking about customers because I believe it takes that entire ecosystem. The other thing that I've changed is a little bit of um, what I call the frosting in the cake. Um, so experience, customer experience when we when we started a few years ago was really something that needed to be done. Um, it was typically gathering voice of customer and net promoter, which are all great, all good starts. But what I'm seeing and what I'm talking about over the last couple of years is how we make this part of the operations, um, how we look at processes, how we build this into our processes, how workflows are changing, how leaders need to change how employees are contributing and how are we caring for their experience as a customer of the brand? Um, not just engaging them for discretionary effort to serve customers better, but what's their experience like walking into the building every day? And so this, I think it's this more holistic piece of not only looking with inside the brand, but also with other brands or with the ecosystem in which that brand exists, because it's it's going to collapse. Things are going to, brands are going to join together. Um, we have to really care for the human journey, not just the journey with the brand. Uh, and how do we do that? We're going to have to think um, bigger picture. 
we're going to have to think about that ecosystem in which the, the organization lives and how we can not only survive but thrive and disrupt um, by joining forces or working with other organizations as well. So I, I, I have started to talk in that language because I believe that's where um, organizations are going to find the ability to disrupt um, rather than get disrupted. Thank you. And thinking about your answer, um, it pops in my mind, for example, uh, being empathetic or understanding that we need to change or uh, really learning something new, account accountability. And therefore, my question, uh, what are the critical leadership qualities required to effectively drive and lead uh, organizations through transformative periods? Uh, I think it's building resilience in the organization, and that's a that's a that's a pretty term. It's a pretty word, um, but what it really means is that um, despite all of the changes in organizations, despite all of the opportunities, and and really when people think about what they're doing every day, it seems like a slog. But I want I want um, everyone to kind of understand um, when you're thinking about effective leadership. Um, and driving transformation, that it, it is about your people. It is about them having resilience themselves. It's about them understanding. Um, one of the best, big disconnects I see all the time is communication. Um, I don't understand why we're making these decisions. The leadership really hasn't told me the why, therefore I can't get on board. So I think that communication is another one that helps them build more resilience if they understand why they're doing things, why they're being asked to do things, why they're moving ahead. Um, so those are a couple of things. Um, I think modeling the behavior, one thing that really drives me crazy when I when I talk to leaders is when we're talking about, you know, they've made this commitment to experience management or anything else for that matter. And when um, when they're they're saying those things out loud, but when it comes to their own behavior, um, they're not walking the walk like we talked about earlier. Um, and that confuses people um, and drives them, kind of takes them off track. So a leader has to be steadfast in making sometimes decisions that are more long-term um, in, in service of uh, giving up a short-term gain in order to make that long-term that they know is better for the future of the organization. So the, the behaviors, um, and I think it's also being a horizon scanner. Leaders today have to be a horizon scanner. They must um, not just do research, but they have to spend time thinking about where, the, where um, technology and data and humans are going. Um, I anticipate five, 10 years from now, we'll have a completely different way of thinking about brands and services and products um, and the ability for us to be more human because a lot of the things that we find that are very functional today will already be taken care of for us. Um, so what are we going to do with our time and where are we going to spend that? It's going to be more around the social and the emotional, the arts. Uh, I think there's a whole new chapter of human development, um, not, not human development physically, but um, emotionally uh, that will come as a result of a lot of this technology and really open up um, a lot more um, opportunities for everyone, including the brands. I'm super keen to ask you at the end about the question about the future, because I want to understand a bit better what you're sharing. But uh, <laughs> now uh, staying in this leadership topic, um, sure. you shared uh, about behavior and you already shared also one, uh, one great example about Ericsson. 
Uh, do you have uh, another example that you can share, you would like to share uh, with the audience where you say this was really a great example of, of leadership? Uh, yes, I've, I believe there's a there's a nonprofit who works in the medical field. They do certifications for medical um, professionals. And one of the things that they've done is they've been very, as a leadership team, they've been very intentional about empowerment um, and not in the way that we think about um, empowering people to make small decisions, but empowering them to make big decisions. Um, they have adopted um, agile um, as a methodology, but also agility as a core component of what um, they need to do. They understand the need to move fast and how they're organizing the organization itself. Um, so what I what I've effectively call it is they're they're putting design experience design approach on the organization itself, which I think is a is a brilliant way to really think through. If you don't understand where the organization is going, how they feel today, what they need, what they want, and what they need to be in the future. It's very difficult to design an organization and say, this is what people need to do in order for us to get there. So it's it's a brilliant way to really think about your own organization. Are you intentionally designing the way the organization works? Um, so, so not only did they do those things, but they're also shifting the way that they hire and what people are responsible for. So an example of that would be for new people coming on board, 80% um, of their role the time is going to be spent in their role, for example, in marketing or business intelligence. And 20% of their time is going to be spent on um, working on cross-functional teams uh, for things that are about the journey that are bigger strategic initiatives. Because what they recognized was that in order for them to be more cohesive and, and centered around the experience, they had to do it from a journey perspective. But it couldn't just be a few workshops. It had to be a team that had dedicated people and dedicated time uh, to contribute to that. So that the whole shift of really looking at um, all the things that were going on and how they needed to shift internally in order to start to deliver on that. So a lot of times what I see is leaders kind of going backwards and saying, hey, we want to be that. But they haven't stopped and really thought about how tactically and emotionally and physically and psychologically, every single employee needs to be considered in their role and how they're going to move forward and having a plan for that. That's to me, cha uh, true change leadership, not just not change management, but change leadership, uh, where they're headed, why they're headed and how they're considering and involving everybody in the organization to move forward. That That's leadership for me. Thank you, and and I fully agree, and it's extremely important. You are always speaking also about human being, not saying employees or customer, but already uh, experience management, and and this is one one key focus we need we need to shift and to understand that we are yes. all humans, and a human can be an employee, can be a customer, is a family member, is a Partner. community participant, and, and therefore it's it's extremely important. And these human have also um, cultural, organizational differences. Uh, uh, from your point of view, how to overcome most the most significant cultural and organizational barriers that leader must address to create a human-centric organization, a focus on the human beings? I I find it uh, it's it's a little of the same question of ironic when people ask me, um, you know, what I do for a living. So let me back up a little bit and just tell you that story. 
So when it, I, it was really difficult for me at the beginning of starting this profession when people said, what do you do for a living to try to explain it to people? So I stopped doing that. <laughs> and I said, well, just tell me a story about a, a, an experience you've had with a brand, um, good or bad, recently. And so inevitably, they tell me about um, uh, the, what happened. They talk about how they felt about it. And a lot of times that's very animated. They're either really happy or they're really, really ticked off. Um, and then they talk about um, what they they've done with the brand differently. Like I've never, I don't go back there anymore, or I wrote a bad review, or um, I was a loyal customer for a long time. I'm I'm going to move my account somewhere else, for example. Um, and so I use that as an opportunity to say, you know, you're you're a person living your life, and and brands play a role in your life. You touch hundreds of brands every day, and those brands that can do things for you that create positive emotion, that that understand you, that know you, that use your data appropriately, that are designing things for you. Um, it feels like you're part of the brand. Uh, are they going to be the ones that succeed? And invariably, people say, oh, wow, that's that's a lot to do. But But somebody has to really own those experiences. The other thing that I translate that to is for leadership, um, if you don't understand what experience you're creating as a brand for your employees or partners, as well as your external customers, how can you ever really understand what needs to change and how well you're meeting the needs and expectations? Um, that's a little bit what, what I see a lot of times the, the, the net promoter and some of the scores that we talk about are great, but they're only a purview into this portion. They don't really talk about that lifetime um, of how a customer comes into the brand and what they do and then when they leave or when they continue to promote you, what are we doing about that relationship? Um, we talk about relationship management, we talk about all those things, but do we really understand what's motivating people? It might not be what was motivating them yesterday or last year. Um, so how do we really understand their expectations more than anything? Because that's really where I see the gap. It's more in what am I trying to accomplish? What do I expect a brand to do? And how well that brand performs against my expectations or exceeds my expectations, which we know creates those delightful experiences. So I think leadership um, needs to really dig in and really think about when they think about changing an organization and driving that change, that they really have to understand the expectations of the audiences that they are um, trying to influence. And as you're, uh, as you're saying, deep diving, let's deep dive in now Diane's leadership. Um, perhaps can you please share with us one of your biggest failure and what you learned from it? <laughs> well, uh, I think it's making... Um, One of one of my biggest failures, I think, was was not really taking, um, I think, critical thinking about some feedback about my leadership. So here's I'm going to give you an example, and some of you may have heard this before. One of the biggest failures that I um, I attribute to and have learned from was not paying attention to where people were. And what I mean by that is I was assuming because of the way I was thinking about things that I could just talk to somebody about it and they'd nod their head and we were off to the races. And what I didn't understand was how important it was to really step into that person's point of view 
understand what it was, um, help them see for themselves what could happen and where they were going, and then how they were going to contribute. So it was trying to, you know, I was trying to herd cats, but I wasn't paying attention to the cats themselves and what they were trying to accomplish. Um, so that was one of the biggest leadership moments that um, I can remember that kind of aha moment. The other comes a little bit from knowing when you are a leader and you're getting feedback um, that you need to take that information um, and use it appropriately. Here's what I mean by that. I had a leader who, when I was working on a big transformation um, in one of the companies, a big transformation project, and one of my leaders said, you can't, you don't stay in your lane. You you do a great job, you know, love your leadership, your passion for this work, but you don't stay in your lane. And um, I'd like for you to focus more and, and put more on your plate rather than, you know, trying to work with all these other parts of the organization. And, you know, at first I, I was pretty... Um, impacted by that and said, oh, I, I must be, am I stepping on toes or what's happening here? And the more that I thought about it and the more I talked to more of the people that I worked closely with, um, I realized that what he was calling out, um, something that was my leadership style and something I needed to change was in fact one of my strengths. And so rather than saying the way that he wanted to see it, I felt like what I was doing was really trying to work more holistically which I thought the organization needed. And so I didn't listen to my intuition quickly enough to take that feedback and say, no, I no, I, I think this project needs more of this cross-functional work. Um, and, and so I ended up leaving the company after that because I recognized I wasn't in the right place. My leadership, the way that I was leading, I, it wasn't a good fit. Um, and so that was another critical lesson for me, but also a lesson for a lot of you, if you're getting feedback to really closely pay attention to, is it the right role for you? Is it the right leader that you have and what the organization needs? And are your talents being leveraged as much as they possibly can? So I'll leave that for people to kind of introspectively look at themselves and the feedback that they're getting um, and putting that through that lens. Thank you, Diane. And really summarizing with two words, the two examples that you shared, one was uh, around empathy, the other was about uh, self-reflection, self but also understanding uh, the context. And you mentioned earlier one other uh, important topic from my point of view in, in leadership, it's resilience. And you mentioned that earlier. Uh, could you please share your definition of resilience? Um, I believe it is. it is um, understanding internally, having emotional intelligence uh, that is looking both internally and externally. It's looking at outside influences that you want to understand in order to not control, but at least manage and and have and have enough understanding to to address them when they come your way. Um, so for me, resilience is all about uh, developing uh, a deep understanding of the opportunities that are going to come our way um, and how you will handle those opportunities, uh, both internally um, and externally. You know, how you, that voice in your head, I know you all have them, um, that voice in your head that you you look at something and you're, you're kind of processing it. Um, resilience is about the ability to know yourself and know the environment and and critical thinking in order to say, how can I leverage this um, in a positive light?
And then how can I help other people leverage it in a positive light as well? Thank you, Diane. I shared the word re resilience, and now it's up to you. What's your secret ingredient in leadership? <laughs> well, you're going to laugh, but it, it's probably staying human. Um, one of the things that I see a lot of times with, with leaders is they, they talk, they come into a meeting and they talk about what needs to happen. And there's no, there's no banter. There's no, you know, how was your weekend? Or even if there is, it's, it's not very genuine. Um, I believe leadership, when you really sit down and talk with people about what's happening in their life and about what they want to create and what they're trying to accomplish, um, it really brings you closer to them. And so the ability to help them do that and lead um, is part of what I think is, is important. And the second part of that is, is bringing emotion into the workplace. Um, you know, we all, we all have uh, a lot of things that we want to do, not just personally, but even in the workplace, when somebody is frustrated or they're super excited about a project they want to work on, um, how do we leverage that? How do we leverage that emotional um, and physical and the whole person um, to come into the organization and contribute? That's, Thank you. That's been, my, that's been my secret sauce. You're, you're saying or sharing emotions. We spoke about behavior changes and uh, you also quickly shared machines that will take over all the repetitive work. And now yeah. we are in 10 years from now, back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast, what we are discussing about. I think it's um, probably going to be the new industries and the new ways of working um, that will develop as a result of the technology and the advancements that we have in medicine and all the other things that we know are coming because technology can enable it. Um, I think it will continue to drive more toward the human um, and the human life um, rather than it being just about a brand. It's really about how um, everyone supports um, that life that has changed. I think in 10 years, we, I tell my kids this all the time when I say, you know, I, when I did my first master's thesis, this is going to date me, but when I did my first master's thesis, uh, the analysis on it, I did it on key punch cards in a mainframe computer. Um, so when, and I went back to get my second MBA, um, it was just an add-on in Excel. And there was all this wonderful technology and analytics to help me with recommendations. So um, don't laugh right now when you think 10 years from now, it, things won't change that much. Things are pretty good right now. It's going to be dramatic. And I don't, I think if you're not prepared for that and the way humans are going to be enabled with all the technology and medical advances and all the things that we anticipate, um, we're going to be woefully left behind and still be focused on the functional things humans need to do. Thank you very much, Diane. We are coming to the end of this game. I still have two questions for you in the extra time of this, of this game, of this wonderful discussion. Um, what's the best way to contact you? Oh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just make sure you put in uh, Diane, it's D-I-A-N-E, but Majors is M-A-G as in George, E-R-S. So I'm easy to find on LinkedIn um, and my phone number and all my other contact information is on there. And you will find all the information also in the show notes. And now we are coming to the last question. Is Diane's golden nugget, it's something that we discussed or something new to leave to the audience? I... I believe that in our profession that we have been um, chunking away at things that we know we need to do. We've been looking at 
you know, the measures and the voice of customer and design and culture change. But I think more holistically, we need to move to more of uh, what we're, what I'm calling um, alongside uh, a partner of mine, Michael, Michael Henshaw, um, an experience operating system. I believe if we don't embed this in the organization and everything an organization does, how they collect data, how they develop technology, how they bring their people along, um, if it's not embedded, um, it's not gonna it's not gonna be as effective, um, and therefore organizations won't be as successful. Um, so I feel like this has to become the center of what organizations do and the way that they work. Um, not just thinking about the experience, but actually putting that into their day to day operations. So that's my uh, my nugget of uh, asking asking the audience. Um, how are you really tackling what you do? Are you embedding it? Or are you simply, what I called earlier, the frosting on the cake? Are you baking the experience management into the organization so it's sustainable, um, so that you become more of a center of excellence and you become the coach and leader and it's, it's in the operations um, itself with everybody's role. Thank you very much, Diane. We are coming to the end. Please, Diane, stay with me. It was really a great pleasure to have you on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to the audience, it's everything for today. I hope that you enjoyed this discussion. Please, please feel free to contact Diane or me for any feedbacks. We love feedback. Please let us know. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you!